On this week's episode of Friend Code, the wonderful 101 is finally coming to the Switch, Damon X Machina is coming to PC, and Nintendo president Shintaro Furukawa doesn't seem worried about the new consoles affecting Switch's business. Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of Friend Code. I'm your host, Michael Damiani. This week, I'm joined by Kyle Bossman. How are you? Daniel Budworth. Hey. How's it going, blood? Is is this Pikachu standing in like sour cream and chives? What's happening here? Oh, it's snow. It's, it's cool. supposed to be snow with some little leaves of grass okay. popping out, but I can understand. Shadows. Yeah, okay, so it's Kyle. It's Groundhog Day thing. This is oh. the first time I think you've seen this one, Kyle. I saw it on the shelf and did not fully appreciate what I was looking at. Okay. Wow. Okay. We'll review that We're in very a couple of months. So we are very close. Yeah. Uh, the last, they come out towards the middle to the latter half of the month. Mm-hmm. Uh, February will be the last one of this collection of 12. Oh, okay. Uh, they have, uh, I would guess maybe in two weeks they'll probably go on sale. So that episode where we'll have Kyle come back on and rank each of these uh, will happen in March probably. I'm looking forward to it. I will take that assignment very seriously. Um, I didn't realize we were adding new ones. That's cool. Oh, really? Each month, yeah. It didn't seem like it was getting bigger ever. <laughs> I get, you know, like I looked at them one time, you know, I, I don't know. I yeah. just, I didn't realize I it. I didn't, yeah, I didn't notice it was growing. I mean, they're, 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 they're themed on the seasons. I mean, not all of them do the best job of that, but I mean, that obviously, you know, looks like yeah. Thanksgiving, yeah, fall. Leprechaun over yeah. there. Leprechaun. I think it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I didn't notice that one before rather than, mm. oh, there's a new one. Yeah. I can understand that one. It's also hard to spot the uh, the Pokemon in some of these as well. Who is it that didn't understand that this was a Pokemon right here? Oh, sure. Someone I had on didn't know that was a Pokemon. Thought that was just another like thing of leaves. Of, and uh, two listeners were looking at a Pumpkaboo. That's what it is? Pumpkaboo. Okay. Yep. I'll admit I didn't know the name, yep. but I knew at least it was a Pokemon. So we had... I was worried. I was worried there was going to be no news for this episode of Friend Code. I was worried that we were going to have to do another kind of evergreen episode. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, just like yesterday, just so much news happened yesterday. Uh, some of it, let's kick it off with Platinum Games. Okay. Yeah. So, earlier this week, I would say I think it was Sunday of this week, Game Explain, actually, the crew at Game Explain. <laughs> right. Uh, put out reports saying that they had from a very reliable source that the wonderful 101 was going to be getting a Switch and PS4 port and it was be done through Kickstarter and the announcement was imminent. Yeah. And then that was so that was Sunday. So then yesterday, everyone's sitting around. So where's that imminent announcement game explained? Kind of well, there like, was in between there was the teasers site, the Platinum teaser site. The Platinum 4 site. 4. Platinum 4, yeah. which kind of to me conjures up memories of the Capcom the, the Capcom 5. Right. Yeah. It was very and like just seeing as that that those people went on to go to Platinum pretty much, it's like, hmm, th- th- this is a good bit of nostalgia right here. I kind of like that. Uh, so we got a teaser site. People are like, hmm, this might be it. And then later in the day, boom, first announcement, the wonderful 101 remastered. Yeah. Coming to, well, actually, it wasn't coming to anything at first because it was a Kickstarter. It was a Kickstarter. And the first goal was $50,000 for a Switch version. It's pretty. Yeah. Which, which some people have called out. Yeah. It's yeah. cute. Some people in the industry have called out. like, well, $50,000 wouldn't pay one person for a year, but okay. It, so <laughs> to me. 
let me illustrate this. And also, the, they're actually coming out in like April, right? Yeah, so they so had... some people have actually said like, is this the price for just certification on the platform? Yeah, it's kind of interesting to think what the cost is going to because it feels like with all the information they put out there, this thing is pretty much near done, if not already done. They have a release date. It's not like this Kickstarter was going to make or break this happening, it seemed like. Right. Because also they got new backing from Tencent as well, which also comes into a little bit of the controversy that is surrounding the decision to go with a Kickstarter for this. Um also, just the fact that like this had been a rumored game or a game that people wanted to see come to Switch. With all those Wii U ports happening, games that deserved a second chance, the wonderful one one seemed like one of the most perfect fits for that. Mm-hmm. Got overlooked, um, and this is a game that they could have found a new life on the Switch. And now it's not only coming to Switch because it hit those other milestones on Kickstarter, it is coming to other platforms as well. And... Uh, I want to start the conversation here because that's kind of like the gist of it. One thing real quick. One of the funny of the rewards you can get as a backer. One of the rewards we have to call out is that you can get blocked by producer Hideki Kamiya if you want. Kamiya will go in there and uh, tweet at you and block you. And I don't know if we we covered this, but one after the Kickstarter went up, then one of the little stars on the Platinum Foresight turned into – it was like like an abbreviation. It was like W101 – like RKS. Yeah. yeah. So for me, this is kind of exciting. For the, the, the Platinum 4 part of it's the exciting part. I'm also happy that the wonderful 101 is getting all this attention. The Kickstarter is doing fantastic. It's like at 1.28 million right now in a little over a day. And yeah, just seeing this game getting a nice second life. But at the same time, I think there is something else that needs to be looked at as well in regards to companies making a decision to go the Kickstarter route, why they go to Kickstarter route, and then, you know, how, how do fans feel about that? And I want to start with a question uh, from one of our patrons, sure. from Victor. Do you believe the wonderful 101 Kickstarter allowing for PC and PS4 ports uh, – so let me clarify this real quick before I finish the question. This question is actually about strategy. Okay. So there's one thing I forgot to include in this story here. I'm sorry we're backing up for one more second here. The process of how this happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Platinum Games approached Nintendo first before doing any of this and at said, hey, we would like to bring the wonderful 101 to Switch. Uh, what is that process going to entail? And they kind of pitched their ideas and Nintendo's like, you either do it with us, with our financial backing, or we have no involvement and it's all on you. You can do whatever you want, like, you know, but like we're not helping you out at all. And Platinum Games like, well, it kind of seemed like Platinum Games still want to do a Switch version of this. They mm-hmm. wanted to make this happen. And they came to a, a deal where basically they said, You you can go do this on your own and fund this, and, and it can come out on other platforms, basically. So this is a game I thought would always, if there's going to be a port, it was always going to happen on Switch. Sure. But because of this discussion that happened behind the scenes that uh, Hideki Kamiya uh, was able to talk about in an interview recently, I believe with Kotaku was the interview who's with, it was with, basically shed some light on how this came to be. So that is why it's coming to other platforms, but it's interesting Nintendo, the, Nintendo's decision-making in this, allowing a game that is going to be on other platforms now. So fast-forwarding now to where we are, sorry. This question is about that decision, why Mm -hmm. Nintendo would do something like that. So again, from Victor, do you believe that the wonderful 101 Kickstarter allowing for PC and PS4 ports is indicative of Nintendo loosening its single-platform strategy? 
We're seeing Sony move towards that with MLB and Horizon coming to their platforms, and Microsoft has already been doing console PC for a while now. Love and respect. No, I don't think it has anything to do with that. Yeah, I, this is totally like, this is a situation where, you know, like there's sort of different levels of publishing a thing sometimes, right? And Nintendo does kind of do this, you know, where they will have things that they're involved with, they will assist in the marketing, they will be the ones that make sure that like everything that needs to happen in terms of the publishing logistics happens. But in essence, it's still Platinum's game. You know, and and I and I think that they're going to let Platinum do what they want with it. Now, I think Bayonetta two could be a whole other ball of wax because Nintendo was way more involved with that. They gave them, you know, the the Mario and Zelda and Star Fox stuff to work with and put into that game. And so, like you, I, I think that would be less likely to happen. I think it possibly still could, but they would have to take those cameos out in, in that case. I would think. Uh, another one that also brings up another, even a more recent one, but with Astral Chain did come up uh, in interviews recently when this uh, announcement happened, and uh, they clarified, Platinum Games clarified that the IP is co-owned between them and Nintendo, sure. so that there would have to be a discussion even on like something like that if it were to make a new version, especially for other platforms as well. You said like Bayonetta, like another good one. I, I still think the wonderful one to one was also in this boat. It just might have been like a lower priority for like Nintendo in terms of we're okay with you. As long as you're the ones doing the funding for this, if we we don't have to fork over any money for this, as long as there's a Switch version, we're cool. And it's I'm kind of curious if all, all the versions will be a parody. Um, mm. Because one thing, a thing I've heard in the past uh, about Nintendo, is, this goes to the, that golden eye rumor. Like okay. this, this is all yeah. rumor stuff, but one of the reasons supposedly the deal never made it through uh, was because higher ups at Nintendo were not happy with the possibility of a GoldenEye uh, the remaster version, the HD, being on uh, like 360 and it would run better, whereas Nintendo would just get back the OG GoldenEye for like their virtual console service and stuff like that. They were not happy with that trade. They're like, no, we want like the the version that runs the best needs to be on like all systems. Like you can't have a better version of the game. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if there'll be any of that here that comes up because they have been kind of tight-lipped about what changes they're doing. They've talked in like more at a philosophical level about the game, about potentially making it a little easier to access, like yeah. making the I user better understand how to put the so yeah. I never really you know, grabbed onto it the way a lot of people have. So I'm curious if those details will ever come out. But besides that, I do like I agree with you, Budworth. I think because this is a a joint venture here. It's different than like a Nintendo first party game. Like like Nintendo saying, "Hey, let's put this on PC or try this out." I don't think we're seeing that anytime soon. Right. It's weird. I feel like Nintendo has never respected Wonderful 101 too much. To me, it's like, mm. "Hey, how come how come there's not even a trophy in Smash Bros? You know, how come you how come I can't summon one of the 100 uh, Wonderful 101 uh <laughs> yeah. into Smash Bros?" Uh, you know, not not marketed heavily, just kind of put out and forgotten. Maybe that's just what you do with a game that doesn't sell that well. But obviously, it has meant something to Platinum uh, much more than it has meant to Nintendo. That is a very good point, Kyle. Because actually, uh, Kamiya actually revealed 
the why they felt so strongly about pursuing this course of action was actually because they didn't think the original release reached the audience it deserved. Mm-hmm. His own words. Well, and yeah. that goes back to the Wii U, you know, base and it a being a very small base to begin with, and then B, you know, being uh, very Nintendo focused. You know, there was a lot of third party support there early on, and between those two things, it all dried up because, like, okay, nobody's buying this platform, and the people that are buying this platform only buy Nintendo games. So, what are we even doing here? So, yeah, I mean, we saw recent, not recently, I guess it was maybe. A year, two years ago now, I'm even forgetting. But uh, when the Bayonetta one and two came to Switch, finally, uh, and the Bayonetta two sales either eclipsing or very quickly approaching the Wii U sales, like right. in a much shorter time frame, that, it, mm-hmm. that like that absolutely proves the point that like the, the platform part of the argument that like Wii U just wasn't didn't have the install base, but also I think it also showed a little bit of that. Yeah, Nintendo IPs tend to do a little better even on like a like a floundering system like that. Same thing like with N sixty four, like some of the like the best yeah. games. Well, I think on it's even more way. amplified, right? Yeah. Because it's like Switch and Wii, other you know publishers were able to find success because you had that casual audience, you had a broader audience, and so there's more people like that. The people that bought the Wii U were pretty much we're hardcore Nintendo fans. We're going to buy anything yeah. no matter what, you know. And so then you know they're just not as interested in some of the other stuff. Yeah, do you even remember? I mean, I'm sure you do remember, but let's remember that like reveal the Wii U when they're talking about like third party support mm-hmm. and they parade out Batman, like oh, like Assassin's Creed and Mass Effect, <laughs> these like years old games that you're like, this is your big third party support? And it's yeah. like, kind of like Stadia, huh? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what? is on a Stadia rampage recently, just the Crazy Orange Cup. I'm sorry. Zombie U, I was thinking of, which is kind of relevant. Yeah, that was because that did have its own multi platform. Re-release way down the line. I forgot what they renamed it. It was just Zombie. Just Zombie. Because Zombie yeah. was the original game yep. that Zombie was based off of. Got so it. They they called it like again. a remake. Yeah. yeah. And so that was kind of interesting. But also, again, just like it, not the right market for that game, I guess. But it, so weird. I mean, why not? Why wouldn't a zombie game blow up? Like, zombie games blow up everywhere else. It's just, yeah, as Blood said, it's a very specific market got the Wii U. For sure. I also think it's interesting because I've even made this point before that uh, games, the whole thing about games getting a second life on Switch, especially like Wii U games yeah. like this, uh, taking it for granted that it's just going to happen. Like a lot of them have, that this has been the case for I think almost all of them, and including uh, even those uh, really, uh, those the ports of like uh, Doom and Wolfenstein, yeah. like those as well. Those aren't like Wii U ports, but like ports of higher-end games. Still beating sales expectations from those publishers, saying, oh, actually, it sold better than we thought. So it's kind of interesting. Like, Switch just kind of seemed like is like this miracle machine that, like, you put your game on it, it's just going to sell a lot. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to fast-forward quickly to the next headline. I'm going to work it into this instead sure. of making its own thing. But the next headline I want to talk about uh, real quick Related to this is uh, Damon X Machina, a game that just came out late last year on Switch uh, from developer Marvelous, is now getting a Steam version on February 13th. And 
you have to wonder why so suddenly they're going for this. It's going to be published by Xseed, so Nintendo has zero involvement with yeah. it. It's going to include all the content Which that Xseed is related to yes. Marvelous. Yeah, they're very or, heavily yeah, interlinked like there. A Western arm now. I don't know if it was always that way. If Marvelous eventually it's acquired been, them or what? It's so, a yeah. weird history, uh, but for as long as I've known, they've been so interlinked together. But basically. Yeah, it's gonna include all the content that ever came out except for specific licensed DLC. Uh, specific, the Witcher stuff. The Witcher stuff, <laughs> Bloodworth. Yeah, you get that. Um, but yeah, you have to wonder why so soon. And uh, we don't have an answer for that, but I was just thinking about possibilities. I'm like, did it just not sell up to expectations? I don't believe it. No. Did at all. Uh, and I was going back and seeing what you they talk about said. Nintendo not being into a game. Yeah. It yeah. feels very much like Nintendo is just not that into this game. Like they they were at first, and then once it came around time to release, it was just kind of. It felt like it was put out there pretty quietly. I, I feel bad because I do think Damon X Machina, like a lot of its development team, is former Armor Core members. Mm. And I think they just had a swing and a miss on the Switch with the audience. Yeah. I do think the uh, well, PC think release. Well, I also think maybe too ambitious for the Switch. That's, yeah. You know, like it's really big areas, big environments, big mechs. It's very taxing. Not great frame rate. Exactly. Yeah. So a PC port, which will solve all that stuff, actually be nice to. Hopefully, yeah. Well, assuming it, it's a nice port job it'll be amazing to see a pc version of a switch game running side by side like a game developed for the switch first and foremost and then the port because we're never gonna see that like for first party game unless you go like the emulator route but seeing an official one's always a nice treat to see <laughs> but also uh seeing if maybe they capture a bigger audience with that because that's where the audience was all along was like on the PC because a lot of there has been several Japanese games that were put on Steam or PC or whatever and found like a new like a second life basically um, seeing like you know Vanquish coming out on there uh, Valkyria Chronicles yeah. also did it as well there's been like some eluding my mind but there's been at least three or four instances of like whoa this blew up on on, on Steam or PC yeah, this the is games are on there now that yeah. was a good one too it, it, it's nice to see, and it will be interesting to find out if this is the case because it'll be the first maybe semi-decent-sized instance of a game not doing as well on Switch but finding a better home on another platform. Yeah. Whew. Damon X Machina. I mean, there's not really much else to talk about with no, that I mean, one, like honestly. It, I, to me, it's a great move. I'm, I'm uh, to me, you know, I'm glad that these studios are able to take their games that they believe in uh, and bet on themselves and just try it on a different market. Uh, and obviously, with Wonderful 101, uh, there's no way I actually would have said they they do 1.28 million in one day. I would not have predicted that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's more support than I thought that franchise would ever receive uh, before the game comes out, right? So those are people who either played it on Wii U or just believe in Platinum that much that are willing to invest in something they've never played before. Yeah, I'm really curious. You know, I don't know if we'd ever see it like a poll or a breakdown, but I'm really curious how much of it is people that had the Wii U version versus people that I really wish I had gotten a chance to play this game, mm -hmm. but I never could because I didn't want to buy a Wii U. So I will say I'm, uh, I'm not backing this um, personally, um, but I will try it out when it comes out. Um, Probably I'll try the Switch. I'll probably try all three versions actually, just to okay. see how they play. Sure. But I'm I'm a person who only loose. I played a little bit of the original Wii U version. Didn't play that much about it. Um, and reading one of the interviews that they did, 
recently talking about how they wanted to make the game a little bit more approachable for, for people, that uh, they focus on cramming so much content in there that they didn't really focus enough on uh, the user experience with the game. Mm. And they think they did a kind of a disservice on that end, that they could do a better job. I'm really intrigued to see how the reworkings of this game, what they do to make it a quote-unquote better experience. Like, I'm actually looking forward to that. So I will be one of the people who's diving in, like, hey, I didn't really get to play it on Wii U. Um, on a conceptual level, like, it just never drew me in. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Which is kind of weird because it's Platinum Games, and I usually try out everything they do, but for whatever reason, I couldn't get into this. Now, with all this buzz and stuff, it's like, absolutely, like, day one, going to be there. Yeah. And I think that's a what, probably what they were, like, hoping for. Like, that they've probably they've exceeded probably their wildest dreams with yes. how well this is going. Yeah. I think they've been very clever with how they've been hinting at it over the maybe the last 12 months. I, I don't know. Yeah. You've seen you've seen hints uh, from Platinum uh, that this was coming. Uh, the funniest one, I think, was the, the image of Kamiya at his desk, and in the bet behind him, his, his computer is set to 101 o'clock, and the day was <laughs> 101. And so it's very obvious this was coming soon. Um, but like little things like that, I think actually build anticipation, get people talking. And so the people who see these people talking are curious about that thing. And so, yeah, I, I blood, I bet a large percentage of the people who have put money in have not, never played this game before. Yeah. I, I think they made this an event. Yes. I think this is yeah. way, even if this was a, a, if this could have been announced in a direct and just had been exclusively a switch port, I still think what they're doing mm-hmm. is generating more buzz yeah, than I that agree. could have ever done. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how it pays off, but that still leaves a question here. Um, the decision to go to Kickstarter route. Yeah. Right. Uh, we've seen big companies do this with games before, obviously. This is not nothing new. Um, but when asked why they went this route, this is all they would say. This is from Hideki Kamiya. Okay. All Kamiya said is, this project is a unique opportunity to bring the fans together and see how far the game can go. Which is why we went the crowdfunding route. A unique opportunity to see how far the game can go. Mm-hmm. So I think that when you go to publishers, when you go to marketing teams, they don't believe you. They, they say, here's our market research. Here's how well this game will sell. And so they say, okay, I'm going to prove you wrong. And that's what a Kickstarter is in this case, in this one single yeah, case. Yeah, I think it kind of is. I also think that um, it kind of worked both ways because it's like yeah you can make the port on your own you've got the you know you've got the resources to be able to do pull that off with the success of near automata and, and those kinds of things but at the same time i think doing the kickstarter in you know in some ways it kind of just it, it serves as like your own in-house pre-order you know like you've got all your pre-order incentives you've got like all of this extra stuff that you can provide for people you know, and you're not having to deal with the retail nightmare, right? You don't have to deal with those people that was, oh, we want our special thing that's just for us. You know, it's like, no, this, all this stuff is going to be specifically for the fans. If you give us this much money, we'll block you on Twitter, you know, all of this stuff. And then I think the other side of it is that now because the fans have provided this extra funding, now they can also do more things in the game to kind of beef up the special features and the uh, the capabilities of those versions. So I'm sorry, this is actually, they're self-publishing this, aren't they? Yeah. Cool. So this will just be published by Platinum. 
Yeah. Correct. Which yeah, makes it hard for me because then I'm like, who do I talk to at Platinum Games now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I do, so I, yeah, it, it, maybe instead of proving the publisher that there's interest, it's it's kind of like what Blood is saying, just risk aversion. You're, you're, putting, so, you're putting less money at risk if you do a Kickstarter. In this instance, this is what I think. I think it's more that. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's to prove the viability of the... Potentially the IP, if they want to do more with it after this release. Yeah. Um, I think sales on top of like the backing of this will like all factor into that. But at the same time, um, actually, not just from like things we've read, but having worked uh, at a company that did a Kickstarter for a project and getting to see how that worked, one of the fundamental reasons for it, because like obviously the company could easily have published. The, the thing that, like, handled the production and publishing of this. But, like, they did the cost analysis. Like, there's this gap here. Like, just doing it on our own, there's this gap here that we think is too risky. Mm-hmm. So it, it, if we could get some kind of, like, indication that we will reach this hurdle, then, you know, we'll come the rest of the way and meet, you know, the consumer. And that's what they did the Kickstarter for. It's like, if we can get to this amount, we promise we will run th- – Fulfill all this stuff and cover like the re- like the full cost of it, but like we need something a little bit upfront. So yeah. it is more like a pre-order thing, like in that Bloodworth, yeah, yeah, for sure. But the there's still people have some questions about this. Sure. And we got two patron questions regarding the decision to go the Kickstarter route. The first one from Matthew: While a remaster for the Wonderful 101 is exciting for those interested. Do you think there is a gray ethical line using Kickstarter effectively as a glorified pre-order system, transferring risks to consumers instead of venture capitalists or publishers? The spirit of Kickstarter for me, at least in the context of games, was bringing to life that which should have never otherwise been possible, Shenmue 3 being the most famous example. But a Kickstarter and then release for a product that already essentially exists seems a little strange to me. Could this lead to a slippery slope of products being held to ransom on Kickstarter? Ooh, held to ransom. It's strong language. And honestly, from the fan perspective, I can absolutely see how some consumers would take it that way. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't hit that milestone, it doesn't happen. Yeah. It it will never come to exist. I I think that happened with the... Some Cowboy Bebop thing they tried to do recently. Mm -hmm. uh, Funimation, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of, I think it depends on what the pitch is like, in a way. You know, like, if you are going out there and kind of very humbly saying, like, hey, you know, we can't do this without you. We really need your help to do this, you know, and then it turns out that, like, you could totally have done this. Like, you, you, you don't need this money at all then it feels kind of disingenuine. And I feel, you know, and I understand that like some people just like perceive that like, well, this is the only thing that Kickstarter is for. Like you have to like need this money. Otherwise you shouldn't be doing a Kickstarter. Whereas I think in another, you know, I think another way of looking at it is that like a goal doesn't necessarily have to mean that this is your budget. And in this case, it clearly is not. Like yeah. <laughs> the, the budget and the goals are, are totally different things. It's almost like you're, you know, you're just sort of, you know, you're 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 celebrating in a way to like, okay, like we are confident that we will be able to do this if we're at this level, and so yeah, this is the kinds of things that we can provide based on how much you're giving us that feedback, that input, that you know, that uh, 
that cushion, right? I guess what you're saying, like that closing the gap of like, okay, we know for sure we're cool on this. Because even with like a lot of crowd support, like my, my favorite band, uh, Stavesacre, you know, their last record went through a crowdfunding thing. And it has been a nightmare to where, like, ye- like years later, they are still fulfilling some of those higher end things. Oh, geez, yeah. Because the platform that they were using went under, and now it's just been up to them and their friends and this huge amount of money that they've lost, like trying to fulfill all of these things that you know when they did this on that system. You know, they thought everything in the budget and everything was worked out, but then it turned out, like, no, we were actually having to put way more money into this than the fans gave us. Yeah, the physical reward part, I think, has to be, like, a nightmare when you get out of hand yeah. with that. But at least, like, in this yeah, case. T-shirt sizes and yeah. stuff like that running out. and Like, yeah. But adding extra features to a game, you know, that's, I think, they better understand what that's going to entail. Sorry, Kyle. Uh, and I think uh, in this case with uh, Wonderful 101, it looks like the Yeti is handling that. And so you just have, you know, extremely experienced uh, uh, company who hopefully won't go under like your right. friend's company, yeah. like <laughs> friend, the company they were relying upon. Because uh, you're right. Then you're suddenly doing self-fulfillment on this thing that you're not like, what if the yeah, like you the Yeti goes under and you suddenly you have to like print T-shirts and send them out. Yeah, I could see where that'd be scary. Um, but yeah, uh, so I think that there's definitely a psychology to it. I think that Platinum looks enough like an underdog so that people don't mind giving them money. Uh, you're right, Tencent just gave them a, a lot of funding. Uh, but I don't think that these are the types of games that Tencent funded them for, right. if that makes sense. And so to say, like, hey, why should it be us instead of venture capitalists? The reason is venture capitalists want stakes in the company. They, they give the company money to the, so they could have partial ownership and things like that. And so it's honestly, it's better. If people are, are willing to spend $60 now for in because they trust this company so much to just make a good port of their game, uh, I do think that is healthier than uh, the company trying to find funding otherwise. Sure. I, I, I want to quickly say uh, the uh, uh, patron Dustin, uh, you brought up Tencent, and I did bring it up earlier. Um, the question was kind of similar to Matt's, but sure. I just want to uh, acknowledge it because we're kind of addressing it already. Um, basically, how do we feel about the Kickstarter? Uh, they said while, while they're excited for the game, after thinking about donating, something just started feeling more and more off to me, especially since they just received funding from a giant company like Tencent. Mm-hmm. So that is part of the concern is people right, are seeing right. Tencent just put like a nice ca- like injection into them. And they're like, can't you afford this? Like that's going to be the question. A lot of like the average person asks, like, can you like you can afford to do this? Right. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a Wii U to switch port at the very basic level initially. That does, how much does that really cost and stuff? But I think more than just like the, the whole going back to where about earlier like pre-order incentive but like showing something you were talking about it specifically Kyle showing a publisher maybe not a publisher specifically in this case but to themselves and to like their backers like Tencent who just like gave them money this is what they're like why are you working on this project like where's the money in this like look look all these people already putting their money where their mouth is before they even have the product Mm -hmm. like this I think is just how it works you know when it comes to capitalism like you have to justify these decisions to people who are paying your bills ultimately yeah and if if you start doing things that they like start questioning they're gonna be like yeah we're gonna take our money away Mm -hmm. or you know you don't produce results and it's not as always as simple as can you afford to do this and stuff because even if you could afford to do it if it's a a questionable decision it could cost even if this was they did on their own it was successful 
what if Tencent pulled out? Because like you guys are crazy and stuff. Like no yeah. more money for you. They lose way more money from that than they could have ever gotten from whatever wonderful one on ones going to do like money wise. Yeah. Just uh, I mean, not an expert in that, but like that's just going to be like what's going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's like, and it's one of those things where if you still feel like it's a weird decision and you think it's kind of shady, then it's like, then don't contribute to the Kickstarter. Yeah. Buy the yeah. game when it comes out it's on like whatever Damiana. platform. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. you don't. There's nothing saying you have to co- you contribute to this. I mean, it's totally fine to wait, and especially now when it's like it's clear the game is happening. They've got, you know, they've got the pledges to make the game happen. Mm-hmm. You don't have to throw your, your money in the pot. You know, like I, a lot of it at this point, you know, is people that are saying, I, I want to see how high it can go. I feel like, yeah, you got to be, it has to be something you really want to see happen. Like you have to feel, ext- I, I feel like you'd have to feel really strongly about it. And even if it doesn't come to fruition, it was just like the, the, the excitement of the possibility that it could happen. Like if you're at that level, uh, uh, that's your enthusiasm for a project. I think that's the threshold for someone like me to cross into. I would back this. I'm kind of like I I'm good with this. But if you were just excited for the game, but like you you don't feel that way, I would probably yeah I would definitely say just just get the game when it comes out. Like there's don't like don't feel bad that you didn't get a, you didn't contribute and weren't a part of what's going on right now. Like mm-hmm. if you buy the game and you love it and stuff, you you're still you know really being a part of it. Like don't get have that buyer's remorse because I've seen too many times where people back something and like, eh, it didn't really go as well as I want and stuff like that. Just just be cautious, I guess, you know, because... And, people- and honestly, like, that plays in, you know, you're talking about, like, you know, demonstrating to publishers or whatever in the future and, like, that plays into it. Like, yeah. you know, if you have a great Kickstarter but then nobody buys the game after it, then people are still going to be like, oh, you really want to make a sequel? You know, it's, it's you know. <laughs> so, I mean, they do have incredible momentum now for the rest of the three announcements. So you're talking about, yeah. you open this with a Platinum 4, right? And if they announce them all in the same day, you know, they just oh, would yeah. have the impact. But now, after this one was such a huge success... The, like what's the next one is such an exciting conversation. <laughs> it uh, it does. If, uh, hopefully they have planned this very strategically. Yeah, and they know yeah, what I'm they're really doing. I'm really curious because it obviously wasn't the next day. So is it next? Oh yeah. Week? They How long are we waiting? They haven't said anything these? about yeah. like the next announcement, but also like hopefully it doesn't lead to another Byleth situation where you're building up with all these big announcements and then you end with Byleth. What's on oh, no, Nothing wrong with it, but. Putting in at the end and all this build up to it, like you, you're building up to something. Build up to something. Yeah. Don't make it be a disappointment and stuff like that. And I think you can't do any more Kickstarters. I don't oh, think you can do another Kickstarter. I any think of those three. this. Yeah, this is the limit. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you'll get to that in just a second. A lot of like theories and ideas about what those other three announcements could be. Sure. Um, I have something. Uh, something from our patron Kerbu. About uh, uh, they're equal parts excited and nervous to learn that the uh, our experience with the wonderful one hundred and one. So I already admitted that I barely played it. Yeah, like, I've, either- I played like a demo or something like that. My experience with the wonderful one hundred and one was E three two thousand eleven, where when the Wii U was first shown. Uh, it was shown in 2010. It had two E3s. So it was 2011. It was definitely the second E3. Wait, 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 no. Yeah, because the first sorry, sorry, sorry. one was like that weird Demo. Delta stra- trailer and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it did have two E3s. Yeah. Uh, so wait, maybe T3 2012. No, because it came out in 2012. So yeah. you think E3 2012 is. Uh, 
it was, uh, you know, the Spike TV thing. And they're like, they had to clear everybody out. It was really exciting because they're like, okay, nobody can see these games. And the one they were like demoing was Wonderful 101. My first eyes on a game for the Wii U is Wonderful 101. And I was pretty let down. <laughs> so that's an example yeah. of build up yeah, and then so uh, yeah. we're finally leaving the Wii we're finally leaving SD bef- behind like Nintendo's first HD console I'm so ready for this and it's like oh okay alright and then I really I never played it when it came out uh, the <laughs> just a lot of Nintendo Land yeah a lot of Nintendo Land was my experience with that at E3 as well uh, Kerbu continues yeah it's uh, Wonderful One is my favorite platinum game by far. Wow. Thanks in part to how earnestly it wears its heart on its sleeve, but I acknowledge how eccentric it is. It's hard to ask specific questions about this game, but I think these quotes from Inaba and Kamiya from their interview with Kotaku okay. provide some wonderful talking points in regards to the game's accessibility. Well, that's funny. Wonderful is in the game's title. I know. It's cool. Very clever. Yeah, neat coincidence. Yeah. Good use. Uh, so Asushi Anaba says, uh, they didn't provide the prompt for this, so I'm just starting with the first part of the quote. No, I wouldn't say it's the platform's fault, I think referring to Wii U. Sure. Of course, it's hard to say the Wii U was a success, but the wonderful 101 had its own problems. So not fully blaming the Wii U for Love why that. it wasn't yeah. that. Love that. Kamiya then chimes in says, it made me think... I should have worked harder on this element in the game. There were lots of things that were just impossible for kids. I want to go back and change that. At the time, we were trying to pack it with the most content we could, but it wasn't always refined. What we need to do is go through and polish things up and make sure the game is more approachable. Cool. Nice. So this is what I was alluding to earlier. Yeah. This is the most they've really said about the – because it is called the 104-101 Remastered. So it's like, hmm. What are you actually doing about this? Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I re- what I remember much, yeah. is it being like really kind of hard to wrap your head around because you were doing like a lot of like drawing. You're like, we were either like to drawing, the form- yeah, the formation, yeah, you were drawing yeah. either on the touchscreen or like trying to make like do Okami kind of thing, like trying to make the controller, the analog stick, draw the object. And so it was just, it was hard to do that and like react quickly, you know, and just the span of a demo, like picking, like picking it up in a way that felt good. I remember people saying a lot of the people game was, was, was challenging. Right yeah. I remember a lot of c- complaints about it being too challenging for what it was. That's the one thing that sticks out for me. So I'm kind of curious. I'll be very interested to see what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I want to say about Wonderful 101 Remastered is I'm very curious to see which version actually does performs the best sales-wise. And if one version has an advantage of the other, which one might be received the best overall? So we're going to have three versions, Switch, PS4, PC version. And I'm curious. I'm I'm actually curious about this for once. I'll say PS4. I'll say say Platinum's biggest fans are playing on the PlayStation 4. I would say if this was Bayonetta, I absolutely would agree with you. Or like something like Vanquish. Uh uh, I, I, I can believe... It will happen. Like I can believe PS4 might be that, and that. Um, I'm still gonna say Switch. I'll stick with Switch. Hmm. Blood. Well, you don't have to pick. Blood. <laughs> yeah. We're not. Uh, it is not hard to pick. It's hard to pick. But like, because I think about PC as well. I mean, it's actually it's hard to say really. I I, yeah, I don't think there'll be as much PC as those two. But yeah, it, it is definitely interesting to think of. 
I think it'll be close. Mm-hmm. I actually think it'll be pretty close. Hey, did we talk about the Xbox snub, by the way? It's uh, not even in the stretch goals yet. Oh, yeah? It's a little weird. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, hadn't, I, I couldn't find anything about that, actually. Did, did you see anything, Kyle, actually? Or? Oh, for how deep it is in stretch goals? No. I mean, or like, what, what's up? Why it's what's the deal with it? I mean, they have to be presuming what their market is on Xbox One is less than those others, and so it wouldn't have the priority okay. that the others would have. That would be my guess. So, but I just feel like it's got to be it's got to come in eventually as a stretch goal, but maybe it never. I don't. I know. mean, they might not. There yeah. have been some things that are just like it's not worth it, no matter like you yeah. know, it's just not going to happen. Sure. I think that's the case here. But speak, speaking of Microsoft and Platinum Games, mm. that does lead to the rest of the Platinum 4 stuff. We, we kind All of right. started to talk about what we might think those three other announcements. We have no idea when they're coming, what they might be. Um, and I want to start off with uh, something that was said by uh, Asushi Inaba, uh, one of the Platinum Games producers that we have been talking about already. Uh, they spoke to Eurogamer Portugal. Right. And they were asked about Scalebound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Anaba said, whatever happens with this project, well, we can't really do anything with it unless Microsoft lets us. But it's a game we love, so if the opportunity arises, it's something we'd love to return to. So it's just, you know, more of like, hey, we'd love to do this. There were rumors for the longest time that Scalebound was getting resurrected. Yeah, I remember even reading the whole, with the that. whole Microsoft Nintendo rumor stuff that yeah, right. it was part of a trade off or something like that. Yeah, it seems like that that's obviously never was the case. It mm-hmm. does seem like this project has never gone beyond the "I wish we could do this" deal. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if Nintendo is willing to work, you know, and cut a deal saying, "Hey, go do this, do whatever you want to do with Wonderful One Hundred One," you think it's possible Microsoft might they they really want to do it? Microsoft's like, hey. Here's a, do you think Microsoft would work out a deal with them say you can bring Scalebound to another platform? Um, I think it's I think well, it's possible. I don't, I'm not 100% sure whether Microsoft would, would do it or whether they would see that as like you know, what how much ownership they really feel like they have over it. We're like, "No, this is, you know, that's ours. Don't even do it." You know, it's Yeah, it's hard for me to call. It's hard for me to call. The other thing that's weird to me about that game is because of kind of the turmoil it went through, you know, it's like, was it because Microsoft really didn't understand working with Platinum and understand like where Platinum was going with this and they were basically screwing the game up by giving their feedback? Or was the game... A mess, and Microsoft did everything that they could to try to make it work. And it's like, no, this isn't this isn't working. So we're gonna pull the plug. It's funny. So I blood. I think that the game was a mess largely because of some demands that came from the publisher. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very you know very likely. Yeah. It's like I feel like what was initially pitched before we had like the, I feel like the multiplayer trailer was the last we saw of this game. Right, like that was the last year of it, where it's like, I, this is not the direction to take this, everyone. Uh, I, yeah, I feel like that. You know, there maybe some publisher pressures turned it into the game that it ended off as before it was finally cut. So yeah, I think it's part of their collaboration really that undid the whole game in the end. Yeah, I'm more inclined to believe that's what happened as well. Um, this is a game. Scalebound is a game. The Kami has said is like a huge passion project. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I, I don't think either. Uh, I, I don't think he wants to give it up. I, I think this is something he wants to happen. Um, 
And it's kind of it's kind of interesting because of the timing of it when it happened. Now we live in a world where like a post secular world where Activision didn't bungle up a front software. Right. Game. Yeah. It's like they let them do their thing. Like no no microtransactions, like none of that. And I just think, make I this think game. Activision in this yeah. case might have actually smoothed out some edges because they did work with Platinum Games before Sekiro, right. and those games had oh, some sure. problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, some stories about like short development time, publisher request. And they probably learned their lesson saying, ooh, yeah, min- next time we work with a, like a studio like this where they specialize in this type of game, maybe a single-player experience, let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. Like It will sell. And if you try and do anything else like it, like a multiplayer or force multiplayer or microtransactions, whatever our usual monetization system is, it's just going to ruin it. It's going to fall apart. Yeah. So I'm wondering if Microsoft – would be willing like I, I I always thought they would have known that already but like if they didn't know that maybe you know they could learn a thing where I guess like would they ever revisit it again like because we're talking about like cutting a deal and stuff like I don't, ever I don't think Microsoft would be involved if they're if they cut a deal I think both sides wanted Just Microsoft out of that deal so here's here's where I think it might happen though Microsoft okay. loves an e3 story. You know, <laughs> they love they love putting a bunch of uh, developers up on a screen and saying, like, look at all of our, pu- our developers. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and it would be a good story to say Scalebound is back. They know that it would bring goodwill. And I don't know if it really would cost them as much, you know, just to say Platinum, go nuts, go for it. You know, like we don't really you're doing nothing with like this Kyle, IP. If they yeah. did that at E3, like yeah. the trailer came back and we're like, wait. Or is this scale bound? And then at the end, it like says scale bound. Yes. And then it has a date at the end. Like, it'll have to have a date. <laughs> they know. But they, be yeah. like, that would yeah. knock it out of the park. It would. Just didn't recently Phil Spencer say it wanted a trip to Japan, talking about like the Xbox Series X development, like courting Japanese studios, because mm-hmm. there is some criticism leverage at Microsoft about where's your Japanese third party support yeah. been? Yeah. And they're like, hey, we had a fantastic, you know, tour, talked to a lot of studios stuff. Hey, maybe some exciting things. It's like, platinum. Yeah, Scalebound, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Um, I think any, I, I think anything's possible with this at this point. But unfortunately, this pretty much confirms this is not one of the three platinum uh, remaining announcements. Very unlikely that yeah. I think it's unlikely. Be. But it's interesting that like that that got published right now. You know, it's it's like right on the backs of that. Hey. It could. I mean, I said it's unlikely. I didn't say it's yeah. not happening. You know, we'll we'll have to see. But that does leave other possibilities. And I'm just gonna say the most obvious one to lead off the conversation here about what we think the other three will be. Platinum um, Games is developing this other game you might have heard of called Beta Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe yeah, a big big trailer, you like think an maybe, actual reveal. You think like because we don't know what these four are. It does say the domain does say games dot platinum four dot whatever, but. We've only seen a teaser CG trailer for this game. Could right. it be like the fu- the formal unveiling of Bayonetta 3 with maybe a release window, release date, like gameplay yeah. and stuff? I hear you, because the trailer we had isn't really yeah. a real trailer. Right. It would feel a little unwhelming, well, underwhelming to me because we have we know of Bayonetta 3. It's not a, an announcement, but I could see that as the reveal. So, yeah, I could see it, Damiani. Okay. Yeah, that could be one of the That's four. what I was curious about because yeah. it is a known, like, the existence of it hilarious. is known. Brandon is poking me about Temtem codes right now. Oh, my God. Brandon. <laughs> Brandon. Like, right now. I was going to keep it to myself, but I was like, I, this is too funny. He knows you're in the podcast. <laughs> you know, uh, Microsoft should go scoop up Temtem. No. <laughs> Or I mean, Sony. Yes. <laughs> I mean, saying. they should, honestly. That's yep. not a joke, actually. 
Um, I, I just wanted to acknowledge Bayonetta 3 because despite it being announced already, it potentially could be on there. But I do think a lot of people are kind of maybe hoping they're brand new announcements. Yeah. So uh, our patron Bun mm-hmm. ha- uh, has the first idea. Okay. Does Damiani or anyone else here believe in new life for revengeance? Oh, no. I don't. I really don't. Like, it's close, but, like, in a way, I feel like Platinum probably wouldn't want to do it without Kojima. Oh, interesting, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, it, it's just really... Very inclined to agree. Yeah. Like, Konami might be for it. Mm-hmm. Konami might try to court Platinum for that. But I, I feel like Platinum might feel like this is like, no, we don't want to deal with you guys. I also don't think this would be announced in this fashion. Yeah. This seems right. like these are very more led. personal yeah. games, and this would be a Konami announcement. So, Bun, as much as I want that to happen, and, you know, any... Three new platinum game announcements. Like, hey, it got like there's a higher chance this time. I still think it's pretty close to zero, yeah, sadly. Along that line of I don't think this is the time for that announcement, we know that Yokotaro is working on another near game. I don't Ooh. think that would be one of the, the uh, platinum four. Because that is what Snivy Link okay. asked about. Not just near. Probably Snivy. Snivy. Uh, is it Snivy? The Pokemon. Like, Pokemon? Snivy. Yeah. Thank you. That's, I was like, it's a Pokemon, isn't it? Snivy yeah. Link. I apologize. Uh, I truly wonder what platinum four is rumors abound about it being Drakengard 4. So instead of it being a near oh. thing, Drakengard's huh. still Square Enix, though, Yeah, uh, which could be amazing. But of course, I think after all this time, there needs to be a Drakengard collection brought to all consoles as well, or even better, a remake. At the end of the day, all I truly want is near Automaton Switch, though. I will gladly double dip. Wow. So ports, ports, mm-hmm. or another new entry in something that is not near, because I do think Nier's announcement, whatever the next Nier is going to be, will be blown out by Square Enix. Yeah. Not, it will not be this. Right. I imagine. I so, to me, this Platinum Four. I imagine them all being self-published games. Yeah. That's just what I'm I imagine. Okay, that too. so you don't yes. think it'll be any uh, like something like Dragon Guard will not be possible because Square Enix would right. need to be involved as the publisher. Yeah, like Babylon's Fall, probably not. You know. Uh, so you think these might be new IPs then? Potentially. I think we could see one or two new IP for sure. Yeah. Um, another one, if you want to go back to the well that I'd forgotten about uh, until I was like looking through, like what, what all, what all is likely, what what could happen. Uh, one that I thought maybe possible would be like a Mad World remaster or sequel. So I've seen people talk about Mad World as well as Anarchy Reigns, which is the sequel to Mad World. Yeah, Anarchy, <laughs> Anarchy Reigns I'm not that into, and I don't know that many people are, but... Well, someone's uh, the thing, uh, interesting idea I saw was like what they're doing, supposedly one from 101, is like a, maybe a retooling and reimagining of Anarchy Reigns mm. to add on to Mad World, which I think standalone would be great sure. for a remaster or port job to switch in other platforms, but adding additional content that works in Anarchy Reigns I mean, I think there's a good candidate. Like, Mad World's a good one. Um, but I can't see it working. Oh. I can't see Mad World working 2020. I you think, think it's- I think it was the right time on Wii to have this crazy black and white game with red blood and just this kind of visual effect. But I don't think it looks the same today. I don't think it has the impact today. Hmm. I wouldn't do that one. You make a good point, Kyle. Um, I, I just wanted to acknowledge this, like, yeah. speculation, but... I personally don't think it will happen, sure. and I don't think it would be 
the best announcement, honestly. I know some there are some people who love that game and yeah. will get excited about it. Uh, similarly, because this would involve other publishers, there was the longest-running rumor about, like, uh, Beautiful Joe and stuff, which is Capcom stuff, and like, oh, but wow. also yeah. Platinum being involved in reviving it or something as well mm-hmm. with Capcom. And it's like, I don't... I, like, these are all things that I feel like will be done on their own terms. So I'm definitely more inclined to believe your argument, Kyle, and the philosophy that it will be self-published games, yeah. stuff that they have control over. Yeah. Um, my question then is, though, I've seen some dark speculation about, like, let's, like, it's not going to build up to excitement. It's going to be, like, these are not these are not the games you were looking for. I think that's fair. Like mobile a, games. Like I'm talking about, like, mobile games. Count on like one gotcha one mo- mobile game. Yeah, like a gotcha yeah. mobile game. It was, yes. like, the worst-case scenario. People are like, oh, one of the with Tencent involved. one. It's going to be a gotcha yes. mobile game. Yeah, yeah. I think at least oh. one of those is a gotcha mobile I game. I don't think necessarily, because Tencent's really? got a lot of investment with a ton of companies of all kinds of different genres. Like, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah they just point. bought Funcom, right? Or they're trying to buy Funcom. Right. So I definitely think one is a multiplayer game as well. I think one of these four Wait, games is a Tencent? multiplayer game. Uh, forget, not Tencent. Uh, never mind. I was getting Psy Games and Tencent confused mm-hmm. for a second. Because Platinum was doing work on a Psy Games uh, Grand Blue game. The MMO style one. Yeah. And then they, they were pulled off of that. And I forgot Psy Games had any investment. But anyway... Uh, Despite the Tencent comment, I like not apologize, but I might have been incorrect with that meaning. It would automatically be a gotcha mobile game. Mm-hmm. Just it's it's a fear people have yeah. that like these games sure. will not like that wonderful one one might be the biggest announcement. The other three won't be as exciting. Mm-hmm. But then again, why why make a site like this? You know why make? I mean, I get why make it a big deal, make it an event, but it's a you're risking like we're publishing now. But you're risking a lot here. What am I risking? If these are like don't gain traction with anyone else. Like, oh, Wonderful One was good, but the other three are like, who are these, you know? I feel like the the next three announcements have the best stage now that they could have possibly had. Yeah. No, they because do. Because the Wonderful One-on-One propped them up. It, it opened up the stage. It, it blew out this great performance, and they're like, okay, next up is... That's absolutely true. Yeah. But, like, they got to fall through and knock it out of the park. They do. Yeah. And... I mean, I I love and res- love and respect, love and respect Platinum Games, mm-hmm. but uh, I I trust them way more as a developer yeah. than a publisher. Sure, yeah. So I'm kind of a little worried mm-hmm. if that's if, like if all we're speculating is true. Yeah. Like I'm secretly hoping that there is some other publisher involvement here mm-hmm. that yeah. they could have worked out a deal to like take a previous game or make a new installment in an existing series that they have been affiliated with it that might be involved in this announce these announcements. I think one of the three is an anime game, uh maybe like Trigun. Wow. Ooh, why like like style of Trigun or literally like literally like, like what's like goes based on? off of an anime. Oh. Really? Yeah. Okay. Just making guesses. Uh, yeah, that's fair. It's just one of my that, guesses. That's fair. Uh, I think they'd make a fighting game. Would Platinum make a fighting game? No, I mean, so, yes, but it'd be more like Anarchy Reigns. Okay, right. You know, like, like an, an arena, arena brawler type game? game. Yeah. Yeah. An arena brawler, yeah. I don't, I don't imagine a very tight 2D fighting game from Platinum, okay. but yeah, they've got a style. Uh, I think it could work, you know, uh, in ways better than Anarchy Reigns did, but yeah. I wonder if they'll do anything original. Like, because I mean, back in the day when a lot of these developers were a part of Capcom, uh, Clover. Clover, yeah. thank you. I was like, what was the name of the studio again? I just can't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, but games like Beautiful Joe. Uh, uh, what was the other one? Uh, Okami? Uh, 
No, the one with the number letters numbers. What was it? Pianos one. Oh, piano two. Piano two. Was it piano two or piano three? Piano three. <laughs> and then the one that got canceled because you know, know it's like they had some pretty creative ideas. Oh, the, the dead phoenix. The point like, I was trying yeah, to get like they had they had a lot of creativity there. They yeah. went wild and stuff. So like Kyle, if it is self published like, and they're making new stuff, I want them to go wild and crazy. Yes, me I too. don't want safe and like oh this is gonna make us a lot of money. It's mm-hmm. like no 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 no. It's no please don't do that platinum games like stay special to me. Yeah. Like you retain that uniqueness that, that I like about you. Yeah, you don't, don't want just a don't completely sell out. Clones, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything should not be a bayonetta clone. <laughs> you're, or, you're making bayonetta. Yeah, they're already making, making bayonetta. bayonetta. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we need more. Well, they announced the bayonetta universe. There's yeah. three more. <laughs> uh, we're making a mobile spin-off gotcha bayonetta game. We're making a bayonetta another bayonetta anime and uh what else would bayonetta going to do? Uh, VR game. Yeah, v- there you go. VR. Perfect. Yes, uh, partnership with Hatsune Miku <laughs> and Sega. Concerts, yeah. Uh, yeah, you could get up there and dance with uh, Bayonetta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the, the future that is coming for us. But, I mean, it's kind of nice to have something to look forward to with this. Oh, yeah. Because this now we're going to be wondering when these three announcements are happening. Will they be just done on their own terms? Will, if they are partnered with anyone else, will they be done? Like, will Nintendo Direct? If it's made at three, will it be a Nintendo Direct and like we'll see Platinum 4 stuff with that? Who knows? Yeah. It's exciting. In the absence of next gen news, heck yeah. Yeah, They're this is great the whole so yeah. part. Yeah. yeah. Way to make oh things God. exciting. Yeah. Stupid fake PS5 thing. Oh, gosh. Around. How many of you got caught by that? That tweet from the fake PlayStation account announcing the PS5 event. More than February. one. There were multiple. A lot of people else. retweeted yeah. that. Uh, my roommate shouted it out. Uh, shouted out the PS5 event. He goes, PSI event, convert for New York. It's happening February 15th. Went to our Slack without even checking anything. Mm-hmm. Wrote in our general uh, PS5 event confirmed for February. And then I went to check the source. I went to Twitter, went to the PlayStation. I'm like, uh, I don't see it on their Sony PlayStation account. Where'd you see this again? It's their official account. I'm like, is it spelled right? Yeah. Uh, no. It was not. Remove the comment from Slack immediately before any of you commented on it. So yep. I was like, yeah. I was like, I think, and I think Brad had it earlier the same day. Okay. <laughs> before you got up. Oof. That shows how antsy you are. We're also antsy for this rumored direct. Yeah. Where are you, direct? It's going to get announced tomorrow. I'm going to be so pissed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's how it always That's happens. That's the danger of podcasting, man. Yeah. All the stuff we talk hey, about. Like, all all re- the rest of these three games, everyone already knows we gotta about. we got to be professional. Yeah. i got to have a routine schedule. I can't just be like, <laughs> friend code's happening sometime this week. I just want to wait till maybe that direct gets announced. And cap- No. You're doing the right thing. We're doing the right thing. We're being professional. We're growing up. Um... <laughs> Speaking of being professional and not worrying about other people, what other people think about you, Nintendo President Shintaro Furukawa doesn't think the new consoles are going to affect the Switch's business. Mm -hmm. So, Nintendo recently had their investor briefing Mm -hmm. where they announced their record-shattering numbers. Not record-shattering, but good numbers. Things are looking good for Nintendo, and things are looking good for the Switch. Revised everything upwards, mostly for everything, including Switch stuff. We didn't cover that on this show, but I mean, that that information's been out there for a while, so we don't really need to go over it. None of it too surprising. None of it too surprising. Uh, maybe the biggest news is Pokemon sales. Pokemon Sword and Shield selling yeah. a ton of uh, but units, it. but we covered it. There was a uh, there's always a Q and A session at the end of these. Um, 
And one of the questions directed at uh, Nintendo President Shintaro Furukawa was was asked about what the company would do in response to the new consoles launching later this year. The answer translated uh, by Video Game Chronicles, because this investor meeting was in Japanese and there's not an official English version of the Q&A out there yet. They Got haven't it. done that Normally yet. Normally they do. They, they do eventually, but mm. uh, this was a, uh, a translation by another site, so giving okay. them credit. Uh, I This is for Akawa's reply. I think there will certainly be a change in the environment as new products of our competitors appear, but we do not believe the business that the business trends of other companies will have a significant impact on our business. To further elaborate, uh, for uh, Furukawa believes their software offerings will be strong enough um, to counter the new uh, new consoles, and that the Switch also benefits from being on a different life cycle than its competitors. Yeah. Believes that the Switch is further along in its life cycle, so it's got like better games and stuff. Whereas the newer consoles, people are looking at like the hardware end of that. Mm. Like so the software's still gonna catch up to them, so they think they're at an advantage. So they think they're they start next gen. They think they start next gen. Not that <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. where they're on the side of the I, I I think that the I'm just kidding. Yeah. I think it's just that there's a there's enough of a differentiation with oh, yeah. the, the switch that like Exactly. Yeah, the, the, it's it's gonna have its own it's in its own sphere. It's in its own lane on the highway there. Um, whereas, like, yeah, PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X, like you guys, you know, you 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 got to fight for who's gonna be ahead. It's so yeah. What, the thing about that blood and, and his his own quote, we think we have the software. Is that yeah, I believe them. Uh, but they have third party partners who are also trying to sell games on these consoles. And, uh, you know, like the recent EA comments were just like, yeah, we don't really see that as a good platform for us. And it's just right. EA has been weirdo. Th- that yeah. was yeah. really weird. So we're yeah. referencing the uh, w- a bunch of financial briefings came out from multiple. All, all the companies now, I think, have now done them. Yeah. Uh, Sony Except finally. Sony. No, they did release theirs, oh, cool. Cool, 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 I cool. believe. Um, but in EA's one, uh, we co- this was covered on the Easy Allies podcast, like an episode or two I didn't ago. actually bring this up, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought we talked about this somewhere. Anyway, we didn't even talk about Franco, but there was a question asked about, hey, where's your Switch support and stuff? Like, yeah. we love the platform. It's doing well. We got, like, 16 new projects in the works. Nothing to announce at this time. It's like, they're the kindest ways they're saying... Yeah, we like great's doing well. We just yeah. don't believe in it. Yeah, well, it, and just saying like, hey, we recognize that Nintendo software sells well on Nintendo consoles, and, and that's the truth. Yeah, it's a simple, simple truth. It is the truth, but it's also not. That's not the whole story on Switch. Switch is, ha- you know, like you're talking about Bethesda, like all the, the ports Bethesda has been doing, mm-hmm. you know, and there, there's lots, lots of stuff that. Um, Man, what else was there coming? Uh, yeah, I like I keep. I oh, mean, there's new de- like Metro Redux is coming. Redux like, is just, coming. There's constantly like people are seeing that like there the is Witcher money to 3 be made. Come out. Yeah, on Switch right now. Yeah, and so it does seem like does EA at least have FIFA on Switch? I feel like there is. There was a FIFA. There was I don't a point, they do it but it didn't. I, but they, 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 they didn't yeah. sell to their expectations. Yeah. at least one of them it was NBA or something like that. One of those games didn't. Um, yeah, I know NBA for sure was there, but yeah, I mean maybe well, yeah maybe Switch owners aren't as likely to get s- scammed into Ultimate Team. I, don't know. I mean, <laughs> I also think like a lot of those examples you did give give blood. Not all not, not all those are day and date though with the original releases. Sure, like the more taxing a game is, I think those are like 
the like ancillary projects like hey this game has come out but how do we keep monetizing it mm-hmm. let's commission uh dang what's the name of the studio that ports all the switch games i keep forgetting about the one that did doom and like right. wolfenstein i i don't have it written down because yeah, we we're supposed to talk about it but it's outsourced but they do a fantastic yeah. job and yeah. i like they're probably gonna nintendo's buy them up as like their blue point studios basically sure. essentially but like the point is, let's monetize this game even further. Let's outsource this someone else to do a best of the possible port job on Switch. But like, it'll look good. But like, it's not going to be like what people are lining up day one for. Mm-hmm. I I know they were trying originally to do some day and date ones with some of the, the newer Bethesda ones that fell through the cracks and aren't happening anymore. Right. But I, I think once the new consoles come out, you're going to see less and less of this. That's why I bring that up. Yeah. yeah. I think that gap gets even wider. Yeah. With an extra Exactly. So I, I don't think you can say it has no impact on it. That's what he says is like us and our, our software, we're going to be fine. It's like, you're right, but those third party people are going to be more effective. So I think, yes, you're exactly right, Kyle. That's a good point. I think third parties are going to feel the, the, the pinch the most yeah. on Switch. They're going to look at Switch and be like, mm, it's not as valuable to us anymore as it is to be on PS5 or Xbox Series X, like right now. Yeah. But Nintendo's going to be turning along, like, you're going to see a lot of articles being like, buy a Switch and a PS5, buy a Switch and Xbox Series X, like people owning two, like sw- some combination of Switch and one of the new consoles. Yeah. It's going to be like Wii 60 all reality. over again again like yeah. that but like whichever one or possibly both get adopted because switch is going to see is like a companion system like oh this is my handheld system you know and nintendo's first party software is going to continue to sell like hotcakes on there but when you see a, a game that no longer can come out on switch because it's like you know too high end like the port jobs just like won't be good enough to cut it on the switch's current hardware you know maybe that switch pro will come along and ease things up you know maybe but until that's not rumor and actual like reality mm-hmm. that's what third parties are looking at they're just like eh. they'll have to come up with those unique games that are crafted for Switch, which are more of a risk. Obviously, right. Switch has a bigger install base, so it, it's a much safer proposition than like Wii U. Any like that's why you got no support, but and it's I think it's even safer than Wii because it's not relying on motion controls right. as like the big selling point. It's more of a traditional system. Yeah, and that's system. the thing. Like that's why you you know you get a lot of these things that are coming out and doing well because it's just like it. Oh, it's not as good looking, but hey. It's it's the same game, and I get to take it with me, you know, and, yeah. and keep playing it. So yeah, and I, you know, if you know, say if, if you have a long commute, just how valuable that becomes. Uh, I think there is a funny thing. I think Sony and maybe Microsoft still is saying, "Hey, there's still some features left in next gen that we haven't talked about yet." Yeah, uh, I can see uh, where you're not scared of those new features. So, like, let's say, you know, like, Rumble and controllers back in the day. That was like, oh, we need that. We need to do that now. That's what our competitor's doing that. It's great. We all need to do that. And so, I mean, maybe the new solid-state drives that just, you know, negate loading will make the Switch seem stupid. Like, why do I have to load in Switch games? You know, maybe they'll get there, but it is hard for me to imagine a feature of next-gen Kind of like what you're just saying, Blood. It's hard for me to imagine a game that won't in some way be able to work on the Switch. And so I can see why he'd say we're Yeah, right. we didn't, like, we also away. didn't even bring up the whole thing with, like, cloud gaming services. Obviously, Nintendo yeah. did uh, did state on their own that, like, they're interested in the technology. But, uh, like, in, the, in terms of their own development, they don't see it as where it needs to be yet. But it doesn't, like, preclude someone else from coming in. <laughs> Cough the rumored, like, collaboration between them and Microsoft to bring yeah. uh, xCloud potentially Who, to Switch. Whose chips? Tegra? NVIDIA? Yeah. Nvidia just launched their their thing this week. It's been in beta. 
the streaming service. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, like that. Like who? But the, so yeah. if Nvidia and Nintendo partner up with that, yeah. you yeah. know, and then like okay, now you're playing games that look better than the PlayStation Five on your Switch. We're, we're getting closer to that reality <laughs> where like there is a workaround solution for this. Like, yeah. uh, it, but I mean. They haven't spoken about this, though, so it's leaving us to, you know, like, do the guesswork for that. On the flip side, you know, there was a recent, like, survey or something went out from, like, Sony asking people about uh, remote play options on PS5 and stuff. Like, bring, apparently bring up Switch stuff or whatever, like, seeing how interested people would be with the potential of playing their games on the go somehow. Was, or shoot, even if I in my living room. Yeah, or yeah, like even locally, like that yeah. close. It's like that's pretty cool. Like the, the, it's causing that dialogue to happen. So like, I, I I think it will have. You'll see some development with third party support on mm-hmm. Switch. Maybe like a waiver for a little bit while they focus on the new consoles and stuff because a lot of them like can't afford to miss out on that. Yeah. But I do think it's not going to be doom and gloom for Switch. Like they'll probably be in the best position of any system in a, like probably 20 plus years that they could weather the, the like the third party support storm better and there'll be a return to like oh we're still seeing some decent third party support on switch it's still there yeah. it didn't just magically vanish because there's this technological gap between the new well, systems and, two, and switch you know i i don't think it's a confirmed number right because we don't have numbers but like people are talking about that you know it's pretty widely believed right now that the Switch sales have surpassed the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. They were very close to have doing like yeah because we don't have them we have up to a certain date but like it's been some time since that date they most likely have surpassed. So he's Xbox like, he's One. like saying, buddy, you think I'm scared of Xbox? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I get that. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, I mean, but the thing that the saying goes like like those systems like PC like Xbox, PC, PS5 have always been in like their own little like environment where like games will just run especially since like the like their architectures they have like adapted such similar architectures it makes it a lot easier for those games to run on them and like Mm -hmm. like ports and stuff like that and upscaling like that it all it's just like assume that you get a third-party game unless there's some exclusivity deal you're getting the game on all those platforms there's always nintendo has been like in this weird kind of like the venn diagram like next to it like how big has that like overlapping space been and i think with the switch We've gotten the most overlap since the GameCube, basically. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. of yeah. I think a lot of people are have both. I think even like Matt Piscatella had some statistics, at least you know in North America of what that looks like. Uh, and yeah, it was like forty percent of like people who have a PS4 had a, a Switch. It was like a ridiculous yeah, like, number. That's a very 30. yeah. That stuff I'm like super, super I bu- like would actually absolutely expect to be the case. Yeah. Um, we had two patron questions uh, regarding this. Um, I think uh, one was from Wavy Chula. I think we've kind of a little talked about it. They just want to know, like, what do we think Nintendo will need to do to not be affected by the release of PS5 and Xbox Series X? I mean, strong software lineup and, like, still working with third-party publishers. So, yeah. like, what is it going to take to keep games coming on there, obviously? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it remains to be seen what the cross-gen strategy is period you know like how how many games are only going to be ps5 how many games are going to be both ps5 ps4 Mm -hmm. you know and if they're doing that how much harder is it for that also to include switch you know so it's it's a good point because that seems to be the first real split between ps like microsoft and sony in terms of like everything's been so similar Mm -hmm. and then we get the reports that microsoft's like 
oh, we absolutely are pushing for exclusivity on Xbox Series X. Like, you will get games you can only play on here in PC, but, like, not on Xbox One. Where, or no, backwards. Sorry, backwards. I got backwards. Thank you, Kyle. You're like, wait, dummy, you're dumb. Um, <laughs> Xbox wants them to be played. Like, you're going to be a few years before you even see exclusives on Xbox One. Sorry. Yeah. They'll be, the cross gen will be going on for quite a while on there. Whereas Sony is like, eh, you're getting some PS5 exclusive experiences that you can't get on PS4 very soon. Uh, after, like, probably right at launch, you'll probably have something Trier like that. Trier says at launch. Yeah. 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 And that's very different philosophies right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of nice to see that. Um, just wanted to acknowledge that. Sure. Um, Morgan's question, there's one part of it I think is a little bit interesting. Um, about the rest of it, not too interesting. <laughs> and let me rephrase that. Yeah, right. We covered most of this. Got there's it. one more interesting part cool, cool. that I don't think we touched upon, really, is the other two consoles have been investing more in the way of service and value for their customers. Um should something happen with the economy where people need to turn to value, can Nintendo remain competitive with Switch and their quote-unquote Nintendo tax? So Nintendo does put a premium on its games and its services. Mm-hmm. So is that something that should be a concern to them with the new consoles coming out? Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah. They're going to get away with Link's Awakening for $60 for the rest of the generation. They're going to get away with it. Yeah. I, uh, I think this is the, this is the reality. Yeah. And, and, like, even in the face of when they're, like, not doing well, they don't waver from this. Yeah. They almost never waver from this stance. You will be paying full price till that game becomes a million seller. Mm-hmm. And then even they don't do that that much anymore. The million right. sellers thing, like, it's like, yeah, maybe in a few years we'll give you like five bucks off. I know. <laughs> I, I know. For a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the, what, the, what was it, the tickets or whatever? Like you, the vouchers. The voucher yeah. system. Those were cool. That, was yeah, like, like that actually was the first time I was like, oh, okay. Dude, I'd like to see more of this actually. Yeah. But. Yeah, Nintendo. Oh, is, but man, uh, that that online app. Oof. You know what? What's funny is, yeah, it's not premium. It is cheaper, but I feel like the value you're getting for it is cheaper. The value of the Nintendo online service has been going down steadily. Yeah. It, it, they, they, they're not. I, I, they need to do something this year, hopefully. I mean, they don't have to. They can continue doing whatever the heck they want. But for me personally, it's getting to a point like you're not adding any more games to your Super Nintendo. Like, where is it more Super Nintendo games? I know you said it's going to be sporadic, but like. Not this collection sucks now. Like I'm getting bored of this. I mean, and it seems like Nintendo, the NES games were at least pretty consistent. I'm not even up. getting like yeah. SP versions of Super Nintendo games. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. Where's my SP version of something? You're not yeah. even doing that. Like yeah. it's just reeks of they've kind of like given up on that aspect mm. with no real reason why. Like I thought maybe oh they're just gonna start selling them on the eShop like direct yeah. like individual games and stuff that hasn't material. There've been collections, but Nintendo hasn't said anything about doing right. that they themselves. And then, like, yes, they do amazing support for Tetris 99, but anything else coming? I think there was, what, there's been one Super Nintendo update, and they added two games. They added two Super Nintendo games and two NES games. Yes. Right. Yeah. And the NES games they added were kind of neat and weird. Yeah. Uh, It was Crystalis and... Yeah, it was the Crystalis update, I think. Yeah. The one other one I forgot, but... Another title I've never heard of before. It's just, yeah, the value proposition for that is just going down. It's like... You got. You gotta give me something soon, or else I'm just gonna might just unsubscribe for a while, mm-hmm. unless I really need to play online someday for a new game. But you're not giving me a good reason right now. Yeah. I mean, I guess Animal Crossing, but yeah. 
But after Animal Crossing, it's like, hey. Yeah, but after Animal Crossing is like a year and a half, at least for me. <laughs> <laughs> they got blood. I mean, how much online are you going to play at Animal Crossing? Oh, I mean, that was a huge thing with 3DS. And huh. actually, I've already seen people in my the old 3DS group. Like, they're starting to resurface it. They're starting to wave the banners. Uh, like, hey, it's about time to get this thread active again. Uh, that's pretty cool. It's so funny. That's really like, cool. The fever is... The only Facebook group that's, like, had any value to me. It's <laughs> really funny, blood. That's but we're just going to commit to that. But I have to admit, the, the fever is starting to catch on. I think I'm starting to get a little bit like, hmm, Animal Crossing New Horizons. I might begin this day one just All to right. capitalize on, like, everyone. I, I don't know if I don't want to miss it. Sure. I think for that first month, I might be in. Yeah. After that first month, I'll probably be out. Yep. But, and. Digging well, holes, finding some fossils. Yeah. Maybe a week. Can't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> maybe a week. We'll see. Um, but yeah. Um, a lot of this, though, we need to like this. We're just also assuming the software part. We really need to see this direct. We need to see what they got in store. Yeah, like there's been so many rumors going around, not about the direct, but like what games they have coming out in the rest of the year. It's getting to that point where there's being so much chatter. It's like, give us something. Like, just talk yeah. about stuff, Nintendo. What's so funny is I've come to respect the value of uh, games that we haven't seen too much of. So. Metroid Prime 4 was a bad announcement, and, you know, it's been too long since they announced it. However, it's at least a thing that people think about and associate when they think of the future of the Switch. And so I think that when these next-gen consoles do come out this fall, there at least needs to be two or three unreleased Switch games that people are looking forward to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, like, you know, there needs to be games beyond games, uh, and that's the way to combat it, is to keep people excited about your consoles, actually to have a list of games that, that they're just still anticipating. I agree. I need weird. A, I need a list. Yeah. I need a list, Nintendo. Sometimes, sometimes games that we don't have are more valuable than games that we have. Speaking of Nintendo presidents making statements, mm-hmm. all right. Um, quick thing, real uh, former Nintendo president uh, Hiroshi Yamauchi. Uh, a worth, remo- worth googling, reading that Wikipedia oh, article oh, if you're not familiar with this person. Yes, <laughs> look through some old IGN. Oh words, yeah. Man. So a, a statement they made back around 2000 has resurfaced. Um, making the rounds on social media and then got picked up by a few like news sites just like reporting on it again. Um this is a the, a lot of fun stories about Yamauchi's uh thoughts and th- philosophies on the game industry during his tenure, long tenure, like 50 years I believe oh, yeah. as president of Nintendo. Basically up to Iwata. Up to Iwata, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Iwata was their successor. Um the this quote is about why Yamauchi believed in Japan the Nintendo 64 was outsold by the original PlayStation. Mm -hmm. So this is a debate, and you've read arguments all all over the place about whether it was cartridges or CDs, you know, losing Squaresoft Mm -hmm. and Final Fantasy, charging too much, you know, to their third parties, all these great arguments about Mm -hmm. why that fallout happened. But according to Yamauchi, the top brass at the time, Yamauchi claimed the N64 was less successful in Japan than the PS1 because Japanese gamers like to be alone in their rooms and play depressing games. (laughs) 
I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's obviously translated, right? That, so, yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. gotta wonder what, like, you know, what the precise language yes. is there. Depressing games is so funny. I think, and more <laughs> specifically, they were referring to RPGs. It sounds like, and it, that right? they yeah. like to be more in like an isolated environment. Well, and I also would. He's probably also referencing like Resident Evil and Metal Gear, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. All these games that didn't get on their system. Yeah. Well, no, but just... also games that are, you know, the quote unquote mature tone, right? Like they're, they're not colorful. They're not something that you play, you know, with your kids. You know, that's, it's, you know, a very different style than, you know, what Nintendo was doing for the most part. I mean, Nintendo has definitely had their, their things. I mean. What's funny is at that time, they were funding and developing Eternal Darkness. Um, so what a, what other example do you want? I mean, RE Remake was one of the Capcom 5 that we talked about, right? Yeah. And but those games were post-Yamauchi. Uh, post- uh, Eternal Darkness was an N64 so, game yeah, first. Yeah. Yamauchi announced uh, in, in 2000 he would be resigning at the end of mm-hmm. – uh, in 2001. And Iwata would become – eventually Iwata would be named his, his successor. Um but yeah, a lot of the like, I don't know. So uh, even a, you know what? Like, it's it's interesting to see this, but like, it's also interesting to go back and think about like things every like uh, president or someone who is in a position to like speak on behalf of the company saying something. Like even Owada had some statements about like online that mm-hmm. were like questionable for their time. It's like, right. eh, not really Owada, but we still love you and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like everything else about you. Sorry, you're gonna say something, Kyle. So to me, like, I don't. It's a salty statement. Yeah. And I don't oh, think yeah. it's actually that different from fru- what Furukawa said. You know, I, I think he's saying, hey, this is, it's a different market. We run different tracks. And I think he's saying it in the saltiest possible way. He's saying, like, we make a different kind of game for a different kind of people, is to me what that statement actually says. I love how you drew this conclusion, Kyle. Mm. Like the, 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 the similarities between them. Because, yes, Hiroshi Yamauchi was known more, definitely is a business person sure like the business oh, came yeah. first whereas awada was like a gaming background also you know president you know he did have the executive background as well but like championing games and game yes. developers and now that we're with furikawa furikawa had been at nintendo for a while he comes from the financial department mm-hmm. he is more of a business person so it'll be interesting to see going forward under furikawa's tenure if it, we start seeing more of like a Yamauchi type style from him I'll versus he's doing great so style, far, though. it's been pretty balanced so far. Yeah. Like I, I don't feel like I mean it's also very early, so sure. we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, very very curious to see how that turns out. Um, Straw Hat Ninja just wanted to point out greetings, allies. Yamauchi's comments about the PS1 versus N64 surprised me. As much as I like the N64, I simply think the PS1 was a better designed console overall. Choosing cartridges over disc inevitably hurt it. Otherwise, we would have got Final Fantasy VII and N64. Love and respect. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we don't just actually, pointing, yeah, yeah. The actual conversation about why the PlayStation was better like, doesn't need to be had. <laughs> right. But this does bring up uh, an interesting thing. But being surprised. Oh, sorry. Being surprised by anything Yamauchi said is, yeah, I, I, we I could couldn't, do m- I couldn't be. multiple yeah. episodes yeah. of this show about Yamauchi's statements <laughs> and uh, go down that memory lane. 
Um, but it, it, this does make it's a good opportunity to reflect upon like Nintendo has an like Nintendo's had like low points as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the, obviously they're riding a high with the Switch right now. Uh, but Tanner uh, wants us to think about you know some low points here. Uh, Yamauchi said something similar about people who play RPGs, despite the popularity of Nintendo's Pokemon at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And around the same time, dismissed Microsoft's entries into the game console business as an inevitable failure. Mm-hmm. Yamauchi would retire in 2002, but Nintendo. Nintendo, uh, Nintendo in 2002, but I doubt he was the only one at Nintendo who operated on these beliefs. So I'm wondering, oh, in your I'm not opinion, sure about that. <laughs> what was the most humbling moment for Nintendo that really changed their way of thinking? Love and respect. I don't know about that, man. Yamauchi, like you're saying, he's the business guy. He, I really think he was in his own world sometimes to some of the things he would say. I mean, obviously he was leading the company. But I really, like, yeah, he was just very much of, like, he's just going to throw his opinion out there. You know, he's like, he's like you know, like, like an old general, pretty much. You know, he's like, I'm successful. You're not. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. I don't really care. You know, like, you know, he, and, and like that. Like, it was, you know, one burn after another, you know. Yeah, it's funny, because I think you could say Virtual Boy is their biggest failure, but I don't believe he was ever humbled by it. And... Like, the moment I think of, most humbling moment for Nintendo, I I think was unprecedented and still hasn't been matched, is uh, the price cut from the 3DS. Uh, Mm. I think it was six months or shorter after the console had launched. Iwata apologized (laughs) profusely to everybody who had already purchased a 3DS. And then there was the program... Uh, for free games, free yeah. Yeah. NES and Super NES games. I forget what it was called. Early Ambassador Early Program. Ambassador Program, yep. Yes. Uh, where they gave you a bunch of free games, many of which never came out on the 3DS for sale. Yeah. You yeah. just had to luck in and being an ambassador in the first place. Um, I don't think that's ever been matched. This We're going to give you free games. We're so sorry that this happened. We're, we're sorry that we're cutting the price. But I think they were so taken aback by how unsuccessful the 3DS was at launch. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, was, it was really a moment of like, we have to turn this around now. Yeah, and they did. Yeah. And that's that's the craziest part is it worked, uh, and then the 3DS obviously became very su- successful. That's a, re- that's a really good example there. I, I think that was one of their yeah, – I just remember the, the bow and stuff, like the apology. <laughs> yeah, like that's a, that is a very big deal. Um, I mean, everyone's going to go always go to the obvious one. Like, you know, we talked – you said Virtual Boy, but like you know whether or not they viewed that as a failure. But like Wii U, Cute. another one, yeah. you know. But I think that's been like covered to death. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, but I think the most poignant part of that is like just the re- the botch of the reveal, just not having like not understanding and needing like two whole E threes, two almost two years to try and convince people what the concept was and failing. Like that should have been like a red flag right there. Like maybe we should stop and like rethink this like let's like like you know let's not run like what this seems like a bad idea do we got to do something and naming like it was as simple as picking a different name or something because right yeah everyone mistook it for peripheral and stuff and it's like oh geez like all the antidotes of people coming into game stops and stuff going can i get the wii u gamepad and like Mm -hmm. you need the system no i just want the gamepad for my kids wii and like no it's all system it's like how like that to me was just like so weird because they're they've been so on point with messaging like that never seemed to be a problem for them and then all of a sudden like this even with like 3ds and stuff was like yeah they didn't make the sales but like the concept was very easy to understand mm-hmm. this was just like 
I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah. Like, they were so proud of the Wii name. Remember the before the E3? Like, we revealed it because we wanted you to get all those dirty jokes out of your system and stuff mm-hmm. and just focus on the games when we come to E3 in 2006. And they're like, oh, we're patting ourselves on the back because we did such a good job with this name. And in turning it for one of the most unique, like, successful names into, like, this is – you added a U and you ruined it. Yeah. Like, this is – no. You yeah. completely missed the point. That was just like I, I feel like that hopefully taught them an important lesson because you saw it, they came back with Switch and it's like I was so worried about that system's name. I was like, oh dear, sure, yeah. please get this right. And when oh, that before you heard Switch, and then when they did the premise video, like yeah. the concept video, and like the like the snap, I was like, oh, and then pulling, I was like, thank you. Yeah, they like that was probably what they spent the most money on <laughs> was getting this right. And this the software the Switch launched with was so encouraging. Yeah, I would say yeah. Not just another game that looked like HD Mii's running around. Mm-hmm. Like, was their concept video? It's like, no, no, this is not what I want to see. I don't want to see Wii Sports running on my... That's not the first thing I want to see about Wii U. Yeah. I want to see that Zelda demo you showed off later mm-hmm. that never came into existence. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, it's funny for something, you know, going through all that stuff, like talking about, like, old announcements and stuff. I, I remember what was really funny is when the first NX reports... Came out. Mm. It's when we were at we were at Nintendo for the Splatoon preview event, and so Reggie nice. comes downstairs and he's like, "Hey, you know, we want to acknowledge that you know we we announced that we're working on a new system. We're calling it NX. We're not going to say anything about it. Enjoy Splatoon." <laughs> 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 they got a whole room full of reporters. We're not going to say a thing about it. That's In so your funny. building, yeah. No, it's probably what NX. Bye, Reggie. NX. But so, you know what? They had to announce NX so early, again, so people didn't lose faith in the company. Right. We had, the, we, they, it was basically their way of acknowledging that, like, hey, we're riding out Wii U for the rest of this thing's life cycle, but we have plans. I mean, it's yeah. too late to save this stupid thing, but we have plans. One of the shortest life cycles, though, because Nintendo traditionally gives everything almost like five years. Yeah, it had to go. Did dude. not. It had to go. Did not get its time. Uh, lastly, I think that. Uh, Breaking up with Sony to have a deal with uh, what's the company? The CDI company? Phillips. Phillips. Oh yeah. Uh, just probably. I'm sure someone was ashamed. I don't think they're ever publicly <laughs> ashamed of that, but I assume someone has to be so so ashamed of that decision. I, yeah, I, I think that probably led to the most probably the most salt. Yeah. Possible between right. Yamauchi and. Sony, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, between Sony and Yamauchi. I mean, that's the whole story. Is that, like Sony got so angry at that they're like, "That's it. We're gonna show you Nintendo." Like, and then they dominated the market. It's their own fault. They yeah. created their own worst enemy. <laughs> yeah, they created the their, their downfall during the next generation. Yeah, and then that led to Square Enix leaving them, which also caused a lot of sorry, Square Soft, which led to yeah. even more salt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just like mounds of salt during that era. It's like everything coming out of Yamauchi at that point was just like hate everyone it's all your fault um anyway yeah it's uh it's nice to think about the mistakes they've made and how they can uh how they've uh adjusted to each of them because i feel like they all this happens to all the major especially the big three Mm. it's happened to sony you know obviously like going ps2 to ps3 eh, we gotta learn a little bit here and then more (laughs) recently 360 to xbox one with microsoft 
Do you know what I think the big turnaround for PS3 was? Uh, the character Kevin Butler introducing a price cut. Kevin Butler. I, yeah. that, I honestly oh, think that was a huge pivot Kevin for them. Kevin Butler. And their public perception, yeah. Wasn't his appearance something with a Nintendo system the thing that got him in trouble? It was a car com- tire commercial, but I think they were using a Nintendo like console. Like the Mario the Kart commercial. wheel. Yeah. Mario yeah. Wii wheel. Yeah, it's so dumb. Ugh. Um, so disappointed. Yeah, no, you're right. We see these kind of pivots from time to time. It's cool. Uh, I've got one uh, one quick th- uh, little statement, a little st- quick story from a patron, and two final questions sure. to wrap this up. Uh, this first thing comes from Space Dom. Not a question, just a sweet story. Mm. A couple of years ago, a friend of my brother was confined to the hospital for several weeks due to an operation, so my brother and his friends pitched in and got him a switch so he could uh, so he could while away the hours in Breath of the Wild. He made a full recovery, and this week he returned the favor and bought my brother a Switch. Not wanting to feel left out, I got him some eShop credit, so now he's all ready to go with Smash Ultimate, Untitled Goose Game, and Binding of Isaac. He loves the snappy menus and the fact that he can take his favorite twin-stick shooter, the Binding of Isaac, on the go. I'm very happy for him and hope you are too. Thanks, Space Dom. Nice. This first question from me one two three is about something. I think this Kyle is these next two questions. I feel are for Kyle. Wow. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Um, <laughs> all of us can answer them, obviously. Yeah. But like, I feel they heard you were going to be on the podcast, and like, mm-hmm. we got to know Kyle's takes on these. Wow. Nintendo's recent financial report has mentioned that Nintendo is working with Illumination Studios for the upcoming (laughs) Mario movie and how they're proactively involved in development and production of this movie. Mm -hmm. Their estimate of this movie coming out would be 2022. That would be year five of the Switch existing and also the fifth anniversary of Super Mario Odyssey on the Switch. There was also a four-year gap between Super Mario 3D World, which came out in November 2013, and Super Mario Odyssey, which came out on October 2017. My question is, if Nintendo was really working hard at making this Mario movie, would it be wise for them to make a second Mario Odyssey, or would they try and do a tie-in movie game promotion that could reboot the franchise? Thank you, allies, and I hope you have a fantastic day. (laughs) So here's what's strange, is... Any other day, I would say no way. I'd oh. say no. Okay. I'd say Nintendo's designers are too proud of Mario. They're too good at their job. They do not need, uh, you know, the people who designed Gru to tell them what to do in a video game. Uh, but you're right. They brag about how involved they are with this movie. Still no. I want to say no. There is no tie-in video game. Maybe promotions. Maybe, you know, Smash Bros. will have something going on. A new Mario skin. But no. No. No tie-in game. Final final answer. Okay. Right? I I, I agree with you, Kyle. I mean, do you have anything to say on this yeah, point? Mario, and very particularly, is so led by design. Like like industrial level design, like this works because it feels good kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're like, I can't, other than like maybe somebody introducing a character in the movie that somehow gets into the game, I can't really see there being anything that could potentially, you know, be seen as a crossover. And the the idea of a reboot is just no chance. Yeah. The Odyssey is just the best selling Mario game in the years and years. Like no, no way. 
I think the theme park is like the extent the movie and the theme park. Yeah. yeah. Like you're seeing what they're doing with the theme park conceptually. I think that's where you'll see any of this stuff, like the most of it. But I, to your point, Kyle, I think maybe, yeah, maybe it's Smash Ultimate in 2022. Mm-hmm. See a minion assist trophy. Yeah. Like that's it. Okay. You know, this minion shows up, nice. assist trophy. I'd love it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, what's crazy is what I thought this Mario movie would be is what the Sonic movie is. <laughs> is Sonic yeah. appearing in a real-life, real-action thing outside of his own world? That's what I swore this Mario movie was going to be. It's all going to be CG. That's yeah. great. Yeah. The yeah. entire movie is CG. Do you think Do you think it's still Mario popping out of his own world, though? I, I still do think it is. I hope not. You think it all takes place in, like, so, Mushroom Kingdom? I get so sick We've heard of nothing about what the These movies that, like, right? oh, we're yeah. going to bring back Smurfs, but it's going to be, like, some stupid thing in New York. Like, oh, who yeah. cares? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's the easiest way to write that, though. You know, and that's exactly what the Mario Brothers movie is, right? It's just like, oh, here's yeah. the Mario Brothers. How are they gonna, they're doing some stupid thing in New York. Like the comedy they're going to do for it, because you know there's going to be comedy in yeah. it. They're going to try comedy. Yeah. It's like, it's going to be slapstick, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be like goofy stuff. So it's going to open like, I don't know if it's going to go to the real world. I mean, I could see it. Hire Kyle, the guys like, that used to work at Alpha Dream. <laughs> they need to be in on this. Oh. We're already talking about former employees you of Alpha Dream. Wish that's yeah. like the reality of file under never gonna happen. I hope they make their own platinum. By the way, I hope they all sure. just yeah, they should. And they should make original games that yeah. you know make Nintendo. Sorry, they don't have those them anymore. Yeah. Um, no, like but I, again, it's like if you want to look for examples, like you've got to go to like those spinoffs because. The main Mario games don't have anything, right? Like, you've got to get those guys that were writing that stuff in, like, you know, yeah, Mario and Luigi games, Thousand Year Door. Like, get those kind of influences in there rather than, you know, you know, Peach made a cake and Bowser kidnapped her. You know? Oh, no, it's not going to – but, I mean, there'll yeah. be a celebration of combat. Like, it's absolutely going to start, like, they're watch, they will go with the plumber route. They'll be Mario and Luigi. We'll just be working in Brooklyn. I really hope. And not. they will really like go down. The, it'll be the cartoon That's thing again. So and they'll end up in the Mushroom Kingdom, yeah. and they're just gonna be like, "What is this world and stuff?" You wish. And no. then like they're otherwise they're gonna be established. They're gonna just be having a normal day at the Mushroom Kingdom at Peach's Castle. They're gonna be like get, gathering there for some event, and Bowser's gonna crash the party. And Some after-school kids producer has completely tainted you, Damiani. Yeah, None of that stuff has anything like, to do with Mario. It really doesn't. Here for sure is what's going to happen. Okay, what's going to happen? There is going to be a hip-hop song almost as inappropriate as Gangster's Paradise. <laughs> there will be some hip-hop song. You know, it's just going to be like, where am I? Like, absolutely that will happen. What will absolutely happen yeah. is there will be some kind of pop song in there. Yes. Of some like some like top forty song mm-hmm. probably. What's gonna happen is I bet they create an original new character who they're like forced to be like, ew, this is gonna be like the focus of the movie. Like, yeah, it's gonna be like oh, it's gonna be like Mario and Mario this. versus Bowser and Peach and Luigi. That's that's not cool enough for a movie. Yeah. We need a new character. It's we so need Toy Story's spoon character. So yeah, it's it's like so. What I imagine is like a meek teenager is just like. All my life, I grew up in Mushroom Kingdom, watching Mario jump around. You just see him like, boing, boing, boing. It's just like, but Mario's been captured. I guess it's up to me. And so it's just about, like, this stupid kid named Roy and, like, his stupid adventure, like, trying to, like, save Mario. Like, for sure, dude. Yes. 
Yeah, it's about a new original character. <laughs> you think they'd make the same the same mistake of the of live action Mario movie? In my like the, I love that movie as a comedy. Mm-hmm. Like it's hilarious and actually it's a fun movie to watch. Like creatively, visually, it's kind of yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. The one mistake I think they make is they take too long to get like into like whatever their their outfits basically. Yes, I, I mean. I wish they got a little bit sooner. Then they start doing the goofy That's stuff. That's when you're hyped. Yes. Yeah, they, yeah, they start using their ex- explanation for how they do their power moves. Mm-hmm. Watch in this movie, Kyle. If they mm-hmm. go with your idea, yeah. Uh, Mario and Luigi like are like myths and stuff. Like they're telling the stories. They're just not around. Yeah. They don't show up to the end to be like, "Oh, good job, kid. You know, yeah. you saved the day." And it's like. That's not what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted Mario and Luigi, and you gave me this dumb kid. Yeah. Why? Because they don't want Mario to talk. <laughs> then we found out it's a prequel, and it was the origin story for Waluigi. Oh, this I like. Waluigi origin. He's like, you were, like, they weren't nice to me. Yeah. Like, I saved the day. They gave me a pat on the back. And that's it. And you just see, like, his mustache turn, and just, like, the angles on it just go, heck yeah. I do wonder how many characters are going to cram into that movie, but um, yeah, uh, I'm cautiously Fair opt- question. cautiously optimistic. Fair question. But yeah, as to your game, it's probably not. There happening. will be another Mario game within four years, and it won't be that. It won't have anything to do with the movie. There you heard it there. All right, our uh, final question from Rammer. Hello, panel. There was a recent report that Game Freak is moving into Nintendo's new Tokyo building, oh. along with a few other Nintendo partners, mm-hmm. having instant access to Nintendo's most talented developers. <laughs> Do you believe this will help Game Freak's development in the future in regards to the Pokemon series? Also, do you ever see Game Freak being outright acquired by Nintendo? Love and respect. Um, well, A... The core team of Nintendo is in Kyoto, so... I thought they all moved to Tokyo. Isn't that the big story? I don't know the this is story, the, this is but office, I think this is a new building. There's a new office they're o- uh, opening, and they're trying to, like, consolidate... Uh, not consolidate, like, just put every... Yeah. But you, so yeah. you're saying a lot of people are staying in Kyoto. So I, yeah. I don't see... It's, it would be Everyone, really, really difficult for me to think that Nintendo would uproot from Kyoto because they've had new buildings there. I don't know. Too. I don't think they're they're leaving there. But like this I, is. But there is the EAD Tokyo that has worked on a lot of the Mario games. Okay. Yeah, it's Kuzumi's uh, over there. Yeah. yeah. I think this is what they mean. It's like they're going to be moving into one of Nintendo's main studios instead of being off-site like they were sure. before. Um, but like other developers are moving in there, like the rumor that people are trying. I to I wouldn't save, be surprised if Monolith. That's what people were talking about, like because yeah. like, they already have four different studios. So it's like people were saying suggesting that Monolith Soft might just take all of them and move them into that one location there to like streamline stuff because they're becoming so instrumental to Nintendo's development and projects. But back to the question at hand: Do you think that Game Freak will utilize any of that Nintendo talent there? And do you ever think that Nintendo will ever outright acquire Game Freak? Okay, so to the first question, heck yeah, I do. I think that I think there's already a lot of collaboration. Honestly, I think Nintendo actually already helps a little bit. Uh, but yeah, just to see Monolith's contributions to Zelda, uh, obviously we don't know what was what. You know, we don't know how much they contributed, but you can just feel it. You can feel the influence. Wait, to Breath of the Wild? To Breath of the Wild, yeah. yeah. We absolutely know what they contributed to that. Oh, well, like specifically? Yeah, there's like interviews and stuff out there about mm-hmm. the development of Breath of the Wild. We don't know about Breath of the Wild 2 if sure, you mean no, that. No, I mean, how and much, they, how they, much they, did they help with they Breath can, of the Wild? They can, they can contribute on previous games, including previous Zelda games, which we don't know 
what they did on those specifically. Mm-hmm. But like the the world design and stuff on that, they were like Nintendo was struggling with like they would change something on something in one part of the world or like crash something else there and like there was their team, the Zelda team was not used to open world design. So they're yeah. like they're like, hey, Monolith Soft guys, like Xenoblade team, can you come in here and like just help them out with some of this stuff? Yeah. Like just get some basics down and they're like, oh, here we go. And they're like, ooh, you're pretty good at this, you know? <laughs> Bring more people in and stuff uh-huh. like that. And like they were very instrumental in helping realize that overworld wow. in that game. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, obviously then, yes. And then for Breath of the Wild 2, they've been hiring for like, you know, even dungeon stuff. Like, mm-hmm. that's why people are assuming there's going to be dungeons. To even, like, one of the positions even alluded to potentially, like, story writing or something like that. Mm-hmm. So cool. they seem like they're even more heavily Monolith involved. helps a lot with this. But games, I yeah. like what you're thinking, Kyle, because, like, when I think of someone to help Pokemon and realize more ambitious Pokemon games, mm-hmm. I do think of Monolith Soft helping out that overworld in a new Pokemon game. Yeah. That wild area, if only Monolith Soft had handled it. Uh, to the second question. Yeah. Game Freak owns one third of the most lucrative uh, merchandising uh, IP in the planet. Uh, so no, Nintendo could never afford to pay for a third of them because it's like, hey, w- do you want a huge sum of money every year for the rest of your life, or just like a pretty big sum of money right now? Like, no. Like, if you're Game Freak, you believe that your Pokemon income is going to be crazy for the rest of your company's lifetime. There's nothing Nintendo could offer you. I was going to say, I think it's more yeah. that Nintendo, yeah. like, there's nothing Nintendo could offer that's worth it because, like, they're just going to keep making money. It's going to keep printing money. Yeah. So Nintendo does have a ton of cash. Mm-hmm. They do have a ton of money. Um, but I don't think that's what they're interested in. Like yeah. having, as you said, the most valuable media IP in the world. It's like, eh, sorry, Nintendo, you can have a piece of this, but you're not getting the whole. Thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In a weird, w- ah. no, I don't know. I mean, I won't say never is never. Yeah. Like things could change, but as it stands right now, I don't see it happening anytime there's soon. Just no yeah, incentive. There's yeah. no, there's the most no I could see is like it. the gaming division part of it. Like like with ga- like Game Freak being like. As close to being completely managed and operated by Nintendo proper, mm-hmm. but like it still has oversight from like it, it goes up to like the Pokemon company and stuff as well. It's like I, I don't I think they're so intertwined. Like it's yeah, it's really hard to see them separating or something like that. But like specifically the Game Freak, they're, they're still going to remain. They're going to still want to retain autonomy on some level. Yeah. But like in terms of like the I, I meant the game development part of it. They might concede like, okay, Nintendo, you can step in and have more of your teams help make the game. And like you have creative oversight on the game. But like that's not changing anything at like a higher level though. Like we're never going to concede to that stuff. But yeah. I mean, I always wonder what their obligations are. Because Creatures Inc. is like, yeah, we do the 3D yeah, models. Yeah, yeah. It's like that—that that is your entire country. Contrib- yeah, we do like the character design stuff. Like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like it, it is feels like the most complex relationship because, like, even with like uh, with uh, uh, Hudson, not Hudson, jeez, uh, Hal. Holy crap, oh, Hal okay. Laboratory. It's like trying to say Pal, you know, Hal Laboratory. Uh, you know, and intelligence systems where like. You know, Nintendo's involvement with them, but, like, you know, they don't outright own them. It's like, right. oh, yeah, you got to remember that and stuff. It, it's like, but, like, they really don't do anything for anyone else anymore. It's like, we just, we're Nintendo, basically. Whereas, like, Game Freak's like, eh, 
we can make games that aren't. Uh, We're gonna go to put a little town story on the PS4. Yeah, sorry yeah. about that, uh, <laughs> Nintendo. Yeah, we're gonna make mobile games without your. You know, we don't need you. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I think they do like that. Although, nothing besides Pokemon has been anywhere near successful, I think, for them, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So, that that could be the thing Nintendo always holds over them. It's like, yeah, about that. If you what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> if Pokemon starts floundering, yeah, what are you going to do about that oh game? Freak? That would be a shame. No way. You're going to make money off Tembo? Yeah, that, that'd be a shame if uh, this new deal we got going uh, brings Temtem to Switch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. They're not scared. Game Freak's I know, not scared. They're, they're like, they're they'll be like, they're like, sure, bring your Temtem, whatever. Yeah. See you in a year with our 16-plus million sales in a month and a half. Uh, yeah, not going to happen. But it's nice to dream. I think it's one of the strangest deals in video games that that three part ownership. It's mm-hmm. one of the most strangest, and it's the one of the ones that I think a lot of people just constantly uh, mistake things because it's so easy to mm-hmm. like sure. you just say like yeah. oh in Pokemon Nintendo yeah it's like oh technically and it's like I mean I do it all the time I just don't care anymore I'm like you know what to the average person they don't know the difference it's yeah. like just who cares but you know to those who do know the difference you know and appreciate it. I apologize whenever I, you know, don't get those things right. But, hey, let's make it easy. Game Freak, sell to Nintendo. <laughs> it's like, to me, like, it's just as likely, like, Game Freak buys Pokemon from Nintendo. Yeah. like right? they, they have, like, equal ownership. Like, it's just as likely. It's crazy. Yeah, like, 20 years from now, they're like, hey, Nintendo, you know, Pokemon, remember the glory days but now it's like dead and gone mm-hmm. can we just like make a deal and like do a kickstarter to bring oh back my God. <laughs> someday dude someday there will be a pokemon, the pokemon kickstarter, kickstarter. <laughs> oh, that will be the day yeah <laughs> and then people are like i have some concerns how much money did they make off of these games no uh i think that's gonna wrap it up for this episode of friend code um Real quick, uh, for those of you who submitted your questions, thank you very much. If you would like to uh, submit a question for consideration for a future episode of Friend Code, uh, our $5 and up patron tier is where you can participate in that. I'll make a post uh, the week we are recording a new episode calling for your question submissions. Also, as part of our $5 tier, our early access tier, you get this episode as well as episodes of other show, Easy Ally shows and podcasts uh, early. Um, for all, everyone else, you get them. Uh, for this show, you get them on Friday. Thank you to however you f- uh, support this show through Patreon or just by watching it on YouTube or listening to uh, it on any of the various podcast services. We also got some shout outs for the month of February nice. 2020. Shout out to El Thanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb Togi Crawford, Will Schmuck. And Mr. One Luigi, shout out. Shout out. We're just doing it on every podcast. I have no idea. So, what like, you Ben's got to a do. different process. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I was on there, but I was like, yeah, so I think you need cadence? like a, a, a process of shout out unique to this podcast. Oh, I just want all of those to stay in sync. Okay, all right, all right. So, let's do it again. Yeah. You're going to give us a countdown or what? And Mr. One Luigi, shout, shout out. out. Okay, nice. There you go. <laughs> got it right. Um, thank you, both of you, for joining me on this episode. Recording late after the group stream. So, woo. Fun stuff. Temtem. <laughs> <laughs> Come to Switch. Wait, is it? Re- 
I think eventually, like oh, probably really? not, probably not within a year. I think you know, I think oh, they're that morning. far yeah, out sure. based off where the game is right now. Do you think the game will actually properly have a release this year? Or do you think it'll be an early access throughout all of 2020? Great question. It's hard when you start saying like MMO stuff or even just RPGs, right? Because like, uh, what is it? Edge of Eternity or whatever, the like JRPG that's not actually by people in Japan. Um, that uh, you know, it's doing really well, but it's like it's been in early access forever. You know. Yeah. What's funny is I think actually being a huge success in early access keeps it prolonged for longer. Yeah. Could this be like another Fortnite situation yeah. where it just never actually has a full yeah. proper release? Hey, if you're making money. Yeah. Who why, cares? Why bother? Yeah. You know, don't you don't have to worry about that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they'll make enough money one day to buy Game Freak. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. So until next time, everybody, may the way of the hero lead to the Triforce.